Welcome to the AI Ireland podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly. In today's show, we have Barry Lund. Barry is the CEO and founder of Provisio. Barry, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Mark. So Barry, would you mind giving me a little bit of an overview about your background, and then we're going to jump into Provisio and what you work on. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll try and try and keep it short. Um, I've been around a while. Uh, so, so basically, Mark, I suppose today I'm the, the founder and CEO of Provisio, but I guess it, this journey started at school um, or, or almost ended there. Uh, I was dyslexic. Uh, there wasn't a whole pile known about that at the time. So basically I was uh, a pain in the ass for my teachers. Um, but so I, I dropped out of secondary school and dropped out is with inverted commas around it. Um, it, it let's just say the school didn't fight it. Um, and then I ended up doing my leaving by myself, basically. And um, and when it came to choosing where to go to college, I, I chose to go to art college over engineering. And that, that was because it just fitted my mind better at the time. And I guess that's as well where the, the dyslexia diagnosis came about as well. Um, and then in art college, I think I wasn't probably cut out for that. So I began designing and, and coding websites in the late 90s uh, during the, the dot-com boom. And then I moved from there into kind of software front-end development and marketing in the air defense industry um, in, in the early 2000s. And that was probably quite linked to the dot-com bust. Um, so I kind of needed to scramble around and find another place for it. Um, and I just, I just loved that whole industry, really fell in love with the air defense industry. And then, so I, I kind of went on and, and lived and worked in a bunch of countries um, over the last kind of 20 years, starting off kind of in Australia, uh, spent a good few years in France, spent a lot of time in Russia, lived, then moved to China in about 2005. That was that was superb. Lived in Shenzhen when that was growing. The US as well, spent some time in LA and then most recently in Austria. And that was always kind of either leading or founding startup companies. Uh, initially working in other people's startups that I ended up running and then uh, eventually starting a couple of my own. And I suppose the most recent company prior to Provisio um, would have been Aralis, um, an Irish company. And really we set that up um, to try and bring the benefits of kind of millimeter wave technology um, from the aero defense industry to commercial industries like 5G, which is now coming on the horizon. Like we started this in 2013 and kind of what we were developing is kind of now coming to market uh, for end users and also autonomous piloting. So we weren't particularly bothered whether it was, you know, a missile or a helicopter or a, a car. And, and sometimes they, they, you know, the car is probably the most dangerous of them. And I sold that company in 2017 uh, to a Hong Kong private equity group and uh, stayed working with it for a while after that. And that, that kind of, and then, then finished up with that. I'm not very good at working for with other people maybe. And um, so that, that, that's, that's how I've gotten to today. So, sounds like it, it definitely wasn't a straight road for you, Barry, in terms of uh, you know, the, way, the way you went about it, but it was a really, really interesting one as well. Tell us a little bit about uh, Provisio and how it got started, the problem that you're looking to address and probably why that problem is important. Yeah, so I suppose in terms of how it got started, um, back in Oralis, we were working on pretty much the leading autonomous platform uh, in, in the world at the time and probably still is. And 
there's nothing like working on the leading edge to realize actually none of this is going to work and autonomy is a, a huge journey to take and to be fair within the industry within that tight knit everyone knew this but you couldn't kind of say it because venture capital was putting 80 billion in here and so you kind of had to you know have the reality distortion feel and say yes autonomy is coming and i suppose i realized very quickly that like this level zero to level five autonomy made no sense you know this from like you know the driver fully in charge to a computer fully in charge and the whole and it was all getting hijacked and it was you know all this fun stuff and everyone seemed to be focused on driving around in circles in perfect environments like Arizona where, you know, the, the, the weather is perfect and nobody seemed to be focused on edge cases. Like, why do we crash? You know what I mean? And, and all that fun stuff. Um, so my take was, you know, solve that, solve the edge cases and then autonomy kind of takes care of itself in time. And so really I set up Provisio to solve the hard bit um, I wanted to build an augmented driving platform as opposed to, uh, you know, autonomous. And it was really to make us all safer and better drivers. And then where necessary or when we really have the data that proves we can start to take over uh, control from time to time to save lives. So that, that, that was really the, the thinking behind it. And I suppose you, you asked, you know, why was that an important problem to solve? Um, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's really important. Like we're a really mission-based company. And that's because like 1.35 million people are killed in road accidents every year. There's 50 million more injured, maimed. Um, and then the cost is nuts. I mean, it's over 2 trillion, 2.4 trillion cost to the global economy every year as well. So that's more than like 2% of worldwide GDP. And so I was looking at this kind of going, you know, and, you know, we have COVID now, but automotive crashes are actually the longest running and one of the most de uh, deadly global pandemics in human history. And they're not being treated like that. So we decided that they needed to be treated in that way. And like there's been 30 years of investment into automotive safety, right? Most of that investment has gone into prescriptive technologies, ones that assume you'll crash, seatbelts, crash cages, all that fun stuff. But the median number hasn't changed. And when they bring in new incentives like better roads and all that in European zero crash incentives, none of it has really had an effect. Things start to drop, then they plateau, and then they start going back up again. And why is that? Because it's human nature. Human error, we're the cause of over 90% of car accidents and have been from the beginning. So we can't be the solution. You know, it's, it's, it's very basic engineering. Yeah. We can't be, the problem can't be the solution. It's, it's mind blowing to think that this, this problem is still not solved. You talk about the number of people that, that die at the wheel, that, that number is staggering. And you'd think of the majority of those people probably die in India or China. Uh, for example, and then that there's a plateau where initially some of the, the numbers will drop with new innovations, but then they go back up again or back to the point which I find just, it's just heartbreaking for so many people. So it's, so See, it's definitely human nature is we will find something else. Right. So so once they improve the roads we found another way of distracting ourselves and killing ourselves, you know, then, then the phones came along, you know, that kind of way. So it's really weird. Like people think, and, and the, the emerging economies, obviously it is worse, right? 
but it's really, really bad in, in the developed economies as well. You know, it, it, and it really hasn't, and the median number of road debts for the last 20 years is 1.25 million. And if you so think of, it, it really isn't changing. Yeah, and if you think about it, you have the way it's going, you've got Alexa in cars, devices, devices are in the cars, you know, everyone's making phone calls on the, in the cars, either through the Bluetooth, right, which is the safe way to, to do it or safer way to do it. You're listening mm -hmm. to music or podcasts in the car. Your kids could be in the background having arguments in the car. So it's so easy not to be 100% uh, paying, paying attention to that. Yep. So tell me about how complicated a challenge this is to work on. Yeah, so, and that, that, that's obviously the scary bit too. You know, just like the smartest people in the world literally have been working on this autonomous challenge for the last 10 plus years, right? And they're all stuck on the level two autonomy cliff. None of them can get, no, no matter what they say, don't read the press releases. Everyone is stuck at level two, right? And re realistically, that's because this is kind of the greatest artificial intelligence challenge ever confronted, right? And we are very early in, in the dawn of AI, right? So that, that, that's one part, that's the autonomy challenge. But because of that focus on autonomy, and way less focus on safety over the last kind of eight years. Um, like 80 billion has gone into autonomy. Where did that come from? That was money that used to go into, you know, ADAS, advanced driver assistance system, advanced, you know, uh, braking systems. That hasn't actually improved over the last number of years. So obviously then when the great minds are focused on the wrong thing, then that, that problem becomes even more uh, difficult. But actually, fundamentally, and obviously I have a bias here coming from the aero defense, but in aero defense, physics and electronic engineering, you solve the hard part first, right? You, you think about the harshest environment, the toughest edge cases, because nothing else really matters. You know, NASA want to know, does it work in space? Yes or no? So you would never use a material that, you know, later in time will not be usable in the environment that you're going to work in. But that isn't how, that isn't a computer science approach. In, in computer science, you know, which is again my background, you start with hello world, and and you work your way up to more complex algorithms and all that fun stuff in time, you know. And that, that's how computer science is taught, and that's how we've all grown up. So to solve the road crash pandemic and eventually autonomy, you ha you have to solve both. And to date, nobody has. So you saw technology as this enabler to help on this journey, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to think about it from that point, that it, you, there's no point. Like we can build a very fancy widget that would impress you. And that's what an awful lot of people did early on with LiDAR and things like that. But kind of, you know, impressive in very limited environments. We're not looking to impress anyone. We're looking to solve this pandemic. Right. And really nothing else matters. And so we will only use sensors and softwares and things like that that can survive in that environment. So tell us a little bit about the benefits to the to the end user, about some of the work that you're you're doing and you know, how you're kind of how you're kind of adding value there. Yeah. So I suppose if you think about the tech initially and then i'll talk about the benefits i suppose um like if you're preventing crashes if you think about it really it's all about time and perception if we can slow everything down and start to understand potential outcomes earlier 
you can prevent the crash. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a Harry Potter head. So I always think of it as the time turner in, in Harry Potter. And if we all had one of those, we'd have no crashes, right? So really what we're trying to build at Provisio is a time turner, right? So that, and how do you do that? That means you need very, very long range sensors that see in inverted commas beyond the human line of sight. And then they must be in high fidelity, both visually, i.e. three-dimensionally, but also in velocity, which is the fourth dimension. So you, you need to understand, so humans, for example, guess, right? We use our eyes and we guess how far away that vehicle and how fast it's moving, right? Machines, you, you have the benefit of Doppler, so you can actually know that exactly. So that's, that's kind of fourth dimension. But then on top of that, right? So that, that's kind of right. Now I know everything about my environment and I know the speed of everything and all that. But you need to understand and process all that data, okay? So that's the fifth dimension. Um, we, you could call it the artificial intelligence layer. What is that object? What to track, what to ignore? What will that object do next? How is that relevant to the actions of other targets in my scene? And finally, how is that going to affect me, right? So those are kind of the, the questions you have to be able to answer. So really what we're building is a, is a library of kind of direct detection algorithms, machine learning, artificial intelligence, cores all over the platform to ensure kind of better informed decision-making. So that, that's really what you're trying to do. So it, an awful lot of people talk about the MIT test and, you know, will I decide to knock down the person or not? You know, which really is kind of nonsense. That, that's not the application of AI in, in either, you know, crash prevention or autonomy. It's, it's cores all over the place doing different things. And I suppose in terms of the benefits, then if we get to that, I mean, the first thing we'll do is we'll save you from yourself, right? There's a very high likelihood every time you get in the car that you're gonna either hurt yourself, hurt someone else or kill yourself, right? So we will save you from yourself and also from other drivers because we're very conscious that you could have the best sensor suite in the world in your car. If the guy coming behind you doesn't have, he's gonna rear end you. So when you think about that, I need to be making my decisions in enough time to warn the guy behind me who has potentially the worst sensor suite in the world, right? So we'll save you from yourself and the other drivers, but then we'll also save you money on insurance and eventually tra taxation is how I'd see it because right now we have government grants for having the greener vehicles on the road, right? We should, we should have government grants uh, for the safest car on the road. This is costing 2% of Ireland's GDP is going on bloody road accidents. There should be rebates to drivers that have safer cars on the road. And then we'll save the economy trillions, right? So there's more money there for our health service that's not being wasted on car crashes. And I suppose then the last part, which is probably the bit I'm least interested in, we will enable an autonomous shared mobility future. So I think that, that you know, and that, that'll come with that. And I, and I think we do kind of, you know, we all fight it, but we kind of all do want it as well, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really, they're really valid points from a variety of different areas, right? So it's very, very actually hard to challenge it. And when you, when you think about autonomous vehicles on the road and the environment that we have, the roads aren't set up correctly for the innovations that have happened over the years within the, the automotive industry. So you're trying to play catch up to that as well. It's a really challenging problem because you, you can have autonomous vehicles driving down like roads where there's no cars, it's really straight, straight specific, really, it's really straightforward. But when you add them into the city center and you add them in where you've got your know, pigeons, you've got cyclists, you have 
uh, a zebra crossing where somebody is like, ah, oh, that car won't hit me. It's okay. So, uh, so I'll just keep walking by and I'll know that they'll take advantage of it. And suddenly the car won't be able to go anywhere because people just keep going across the way, right? So there's, there's some really big challenges uh, within that area. Where do you see the, the future of the automotive industry going? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And, and like none of us have that crystal ball, but I suppose I really feel we're going to get a, over the next couple of years, we're going to see much greater focus on safety over autonomy, both in finance and marketing, right? And COVID is already accelerating this. It's already starting to happen. Like the, the autonomous industry has obviously all got stuck on level two. So suddenly they're talking an awful lot more about safety to keep the funding going, right? Um, as I say, COVID's accelerating this and the addition of artificial intelligence is, is going to help with that, right? I suppose in terms of car ownership, I do think that will die. I think mobility as a service is the future of mobility. And I suppose when I take that back to what we're doing, I would see platform as a service being the future of mobile safety and autonomy. So pay as you use. And, and that literally become, you know, making decisions. You know, people often talk about in a shared mobile environment, maybe at the weekend, I'll take out a Ferrari. Uh, but during the week, you know, I'll, I'll go around in a Fiat 500. But even from the perspective of right now, you can order an Uber and, you know, you can have a regular Uber or you can have an Uber X. What if you've got your kids with you and there's another button and you pay an extra three cent a mile to have the safest vehicle come and pick you up? I know what button I'm pressing. It's a no-brainer, right? So that's where I see platform as a service um, being really important to this. And that we're building our platform with that in mind, right? Um, and I suppose then when I think about this challenge, and it is the greatest engineering and AI challenge in human history, I, I firmly believe that will require an open source hive mind. And there will be no kind of identifiable winner, which the press hates. You know, the press always likes to have the horse to come in first and everyone else was a lagger. And that's kind of how it's been pitched at the moment. This fellow's first, no, this fellow's first. It's all a nonsense. This is the greatest engineering challenge in human history. This is going to require us all working together. And so that to me is, is the next 10 to 20 years is that we as an industry work together to develop our vaccine, for this automotive pandemic. I think that that's really what we have to focus on. Yeah, some really, really interesting thoughts. Thanks so much, Barry. I've been speaking to Barry Lunn, CEO and founder of Frizio. You've been listening to the AI Ireland podcast and I'm your host, Mark Kelly. Thanks for your time today, Barry. Thank you. Cheers, Mark. That's all for the episode on AI Ireland podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. Finally, I'd like to let you know about the AI Awards, which will take place this November. We're now looking for applications from academia and industry professionals to apply. Set up in 2018, the AI Awards is a not-for-profit business, community-led initiative, which is set up to celebrate the best in AI and data science in Ireland. We see this as a fantastic opportunity to showcase your work and skills to the AI community on the island of Ireland and help raise the profile of Ireland as a destination for AI investment. The awards provide applications from around Ireland with a platform to showcase themselves to the AI community in Ireland and the world. Winning an award brings industry-wide recognition, raises your company profile, and increases awareness of your brand and product. Applications take only a couple of minutes. To find out more about the current awards, please check out www.aiawards.ie. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you again next week. Apply today at www.aiawards.ie. See you soon. Take care. Bye.